Well, hey there, it's great to be with you. I'm Susie, and if you've been with us for a while now, you'll know that we've been dipping in and out of this little series called Acts from Acts. And today we're going to be picking up Acts of Worship, which is a subject which is totally relevant to us in our current circumstances. So I'm going to have a look at sort of why we worship, when we worship. Then we're going to hear from Bernie, one of our worship leaders, about how we worship. So let's jump straight in and look at that question. Why do we worship? And I want to suggest that we worship because we were designed to worship. Let me help explain. So like many of you, I'm a sports fan. And last year I got to experience what I would say was a miracle because I saw the England football team win 5-0 at Wembley. It was amazing. The atmosphere was electric as 82,500 fans were there, cheering, singing out, hands in the air, hugging each other, going totally crazy, immersed in watching 22 players uh, kick around a ball on a football pitch. Here's how I got on. I thought you'd like that. I was a little bit passionate, but maybe sports is not your thing. But what about music? Years back, I got to see my favourite ever uh, boy band Take That perform live. And uh, if you don't know who Take That are, you need to Google them later. Um, but the atmosphere was similar to that at the football stadium. Apart from with Take That, there was a lot more women there. But 55,000 fans there singing out, pouring their hearts out over five now kind of middle-aged pop stars. And uh, I'd love to say that I didn't get carried away, but I lost any sense of composure the moment that Robbie Williams came onto the stage and started singing Angels. Beautiful moment, but and kind of funny looking back. But uh, whatever you think about the England football team or you think about Take That, whilst we might not see these things as worship, when we're at these events, often our postures are really similar to how they are when we worship. And I think that's because we're drawn to something bigger than ourselves. You know, as humans, when we see something that's sort of unique or beautiful or inspiring, often it's our natural response just to shout out, to, to praise it, to, to declare it. And I guess with um, sports or with our favourite band, those moments of worship they're kind of conditional, aren't they? Because it kind of depends on whether our team's winning um, or whether they're playing the song that we actually like. And I think it's because we weren't designed to worship those things or anything else like it. We were designed to worship God. And uh, when we read um, the book of Acts, we see that the early church, they worshiped Jesus on another level. They were totally committed and their worship wasn't conditional. So Let's have a look at Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47. That's the passage we've been looking at in this season. Here we go. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers, they were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone in need. Every day... They continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Here we go. Praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. What a passage. And this word worship, if you don't know what it means, simply put, it comes from the word worthy. And uh, uh, Tom Wright, who's a Christian theologian, he said this. He said, worship means acknowledging the worth the worthiness of the one who's worshipped. It means gladly recognising and celebrating the fact that God is who he is and he does what he does. And so the early church, their, their whole lives were built around worship, 
about worshipping Jesus because it was the only appropriate response to the infinite worth that they'd found in Jesus. You see, these guys, many of them had, had known Jesus. They'd spent time with him. They'd seen firsthand the Jesus that we read about in the Gospels. They knew him as the one who was kind and compassionate, the one who brought hope and healing to the poor and vulnerable. They'd seen him restore sight to the blind, open the ears of the deaf, raise the dead. They'd seen him multiply food for the hungry. They knew that he was the only one who could forgive sins and set the oppressed free. And then because of his death and resurrection, he now offered them eternal life and the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. And so it's no wonder really that the book of Luke ends like this, the gospel of Luke. Then they worshiped and they returned to Jerusalem with great joy. And they stayed continually at the temple, praising God. And so many of those moments that Luke re reads about when people encounter Jesus says that they were amazed, astonished, or they worshiped God in response to Jesus. But now, because of the resurrection, their response was to worship Jesus himself. And so for those of us that know Jesus, we, we worship Jesus because it's our response to how amazing he is and what he's done in our lives. And uh, before we move on, for those of you listening who, who actually you don't know Jesus, all those things about Jesus that the disciples saw, that I see, I believe that he's for you as well, that he loves you, that he died for you and he longs to have a relationship with you. And we'd love to introduce you to him later. So, so why we worship? We worship because we're designed to worship and it's out of a response for who Jesus is. So when, what about when we worship? Well, for the early church, the worship didn't depend on their circumstances. You know, they worshipped when life was good, but they also worshipped in times like the times we're experiencing now when things were hard. And uh, just to give you an insight into my last couple of weeks, it's actually been pretty stressful at times. So uh, for me, my mum's been super, super poorly and um, she's loads better now, she's on the mend, but it was horrible. It was so hard to be 90 miles separated, not able to visit, not able to help in any way. So that was difficult. And then we had to make the decision to be part of the, the, the decision of postponing DTI, which is our youth camp, which I head up. And that just felt so disappointing, so difficult, such expectation. Of course, we'll meet again next year. But that was hard. On top of which, like loads of you missing family and friends and definitely missing you together, being together on Sundays. And so that was my backdrop to the Easter weekend. And um, I was kind of dreading it. And I was definitely feeling sorry for myself when I had this moment on Easter Saturday when I thought um, I thought to myself, you know, my circumstances right now don't actually change the fact that Easter isn't about me. You know, Easter's about Jesus, that he's alive, the saviour of the world and he's good. He's definitely still in control and I'm not on my own because he's promised always to be with me. And so I had this moment where I just chose to say to Jesus, look, I wanna worship you this weekend, even when it feels like life sucks a little bit. So what I did is as a response to that is I thought, well, I'll, put, I'll um, set my alarm for 5.10. So I set it for Easter morning. I got up to see the sunrise, the most beautiful sunrise. I've got a photo for you. But as I stood there, read the resurrection story, worshiped Jesus, it was like my worries and maybe some of my disappointments faded away as I looked to him and um, he, he filled me with a peace and a hope and a joy and it was precious and um, you know what I wish I'd always respond like that I've, I've definitely got a long way to go yet but I'm inspired by the early church because they knew how to worship in the storms of life it's littered all over Acts if you read Acts you'll see that and I wanted to look quickly at Acts 16 and um, because it's a right drama so in Acts 16 Paul and Silas they're in prison 
because they've been put in prison for sharing their faith. They've been beaten, whipped and stripped. And so they are in a bad way. And, and the story starts like this. Acts 16 verse 25. At midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And so we've got to stop there before we go any further. They were, they were in that situation, but they were worshipping. And so in the midst of the most dire situation they faced yet, they, they, they didn't just turn off and be like, oh, we're just fed up. They were worshipping Jesus. And what happens next is incredible, because if you read the story, uh, God sends an earthquake, the, uh, the prison doors fling open, and Paul has the opportunity to tell the jailers what's, ha- what's happened, and the jailer and his whole family come to know Jesus. You see... In that moment we just read about, and in many other moments in Acts, their circumstances changed, but the way they worshipped Jesus didn't. And years later, Paul says, uh, he writes to the church in Philippi about his posture of worship. And he says this so inspiring, uh, uh, Philippians 3 verse 7, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Paul was a, um, he was a relentless worshipper. He just loved worshipping because he, he was able to do it in the peaceful times and in the storms of life because he knew how amazing Jesus was. And so for us, when we see Jesus for who he really is, we can't help but respond with praise and adoration and worship because he is worthy of our praise all the time whether life feels easy and when it feels hard and especially in this season so late earlier i caught up with bernie we're here to talk about worship and for those who are listening who don't know trent is part of a movement of churches called the vineyards where worship's our highest priority and there's some values that we hold and um, that we're super passionate about and i'd love you just to talk those through yeah susie i'd love to One of the things that we really value in the vineyard is intimacy with Jesus. We don't just sing songs about him, we sing songs to him. It's relational. We're also passionate in the way that we express our worship to him, whether that's through a loud shout, whether that's through singing, dancing, kneeling, lying face down on the floor. We're also real in the way that we come before him. Um, I'm reminded of Dave Miller's song, Jesus, I come to you. No pretending, no hiding. Just as I am, Jesus, I come to you. We're also really passionate about making worship accessible for everyone. So we pick songs with lyrics that are really understandable, like easy to understand. But also we sing songs in keys and with melodies that are easy to pick up. And lastly, um, when we worship, We expect God to move. We expect his kingdom to come and bring freedom, healing, salvation, joy, peace, you name it. Yeah, so good. That's so helpful. Thank you. And um, Bernie, obviously you and I are great friends. And uh, one of the things you've always modeled to me brilliantly before this lockdown situation is worshipping at home on your own. I think even with the tambourine. And uh, just tell, tell us what it looks like for you. Oh, Susie, one of the ways that I worship the Lord and probably my favorite way to do that is to dance before him with my tambourine. Basically, I just create a playlist with songs full of joy and celebration and I just go crazy. It's so fun and I know that he loves it. So, so, so good. And for you, I guess, I mean, not many people probably dance around their house with a tambourine in worship. 
you, you are uh, unhindered, you feel free to express yourselves. And what about, what would you say to perhaps many of us um, who feel a little bit more hindered in that way, who, who perhaps don't want to, who feel more uncomfortable expressing their worship physically? Yeah, I would just encourage people that I haven't always felt free to express myself in worship physically. Um, one thing that I discovered in reading the Psalms is that um, our bodies are instruments of worship too. Yeah. There are countless number of times where it's mentioned um, that we worship through kneeling, through bowing. I mentioned some of these earlier, like clapping of hands and lifting our hands. And I just want to be able to worship God with everything, not just singing. I want to worship him with my body. So one of the memory, probably the earliest memory that I have of um, the first time I did this was I was leading worship and the Holy Spirit asked me to kneel. And I remember thinking, oh gosh, I don't want to be a distraction to everyone around me because it's quite, it's quite a public platform. Yeah, especially and the also, cameras are on you as well. Yeah. yeah. And also I knew I'd be self-conscious, um, especially super vulnerable because I'd be aware of people watching me. Um, but in that moment, I had to make a decision. I was either going to give in to the fear of what other people would think well, I'll just offer Jesus everything in this moment, even if it cost me my dignity. So I did it. It felt awkward, but I kept doing it. And now yeah. I don't even think about it. It's really natural to me. Oh, so, so good. And, 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 and so inspiring as well. And, and, and like, like me, you have up days and down days. And yeah. I'm sure you have days when you don't really feel like worshipping. You, you, you'd think oh, I'd probably rather be watching Netflix or Disney Plus yeah. or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what do you do? Like, what would you, how, how do you handle that? How do you worship when you don't feel like it? I think worship should never be based solely on how we're feeling. Because if we always waited on um, feeling a certain way before we did anything, we'd never get anything done. And I'm reminded of that story you mentioned earlier, of Paul and Silas, how yeah. they'd been stripped and flogged and put into prison. I bet you they didn't feel like worshipping yeah, sure in that moment. Yeah. But at the end of their sacrifice of praise, there was freedom that was available to them. God broke their chains and he also broke the chains of the people around them. So for me, I think there's a real power when we choose to worship, when we don't feel like it, when life doesn't make sense, when it's not easy for us to do that because at the end of it there's breakthrough and freedom that's mm. available to us mm. and uh, we've got to wrap this up in a, in a minute but um super quick uh, we're in this season of lockdown we're not sure how long it's going to go on for till we can gather together on sundays i'm missing being together worshiping together so yes. much but i want to grow in this season i don't just want to um i, I want to get better at, at, at focusing and worshiping uh, jesus at home got have you got any tips for us yeah, I would just really encourage people to be more intentional in carving out time in their day to do it. Um, I know for some people this season is quieter and less busy, but for others it's even more busy than it was before. But I would say find a time in your day where it's the quietest or the least busiest, even if it's that time during the day where you go for your daily exercise. Just put a worship playlist on and as you walk, as you run, just worship the Lord. And also um, you have YouTube available to you. So if you're not musical and you can't play an instrument to lead yourself in worship, there are incredible worship leaders out there that you can just access at the end of a click and let them lead you. Don't just spectate, but imagine yourself in that room and allow them to lead you into that place of intimacy with Jesus. Yeah, and that thing about spectating is so helpful because I think in this season more than ever, it's so easy just to 
to have something on your TV or something on yes. an iPad or something and just watch yes. it. Whereas we're actually called to participate, to enter into worship, to, to get rid of the distractions. So, so good. If you don't know where to start, you could just look on, and um, there's loads of things on YouTube, but you could look on Vineyard yeah. Worship. They've got a whole channel there with loads of resources and stuff that will really help you on there. But we're going to wrap things up. And in a moment, just to finish this off, um, we're actually going to spend some time responding in worship right now. Uh, and then we're going to have some time to pray together after, after that. John and Debbie will come back for that. Um, but I just wanted to finish up with this because the other, the other week, uh, as I mentioned, I was um, having, having a difficult few weeks. And I really felt God say to me, Susie, worship is your weapon. In this time of coronavirus, in this season, so worship is your weapon. Because it lifts your eyes from the things that are uncertain and are shaking around you to the one, to Jesus, who is certain yes. and is unshakable. Yes. And so I want to encourage us, to encourage us, to anybody that's listening, worship is our weapon in this season, mm-hmm. always, but in this season especially. So, Bernie, would you pray for us? I'd love to. Yeah, Jesus, we love you. Thank you that we get to be in relationship with you. Lord, I just pray that you'd stir in us a hunger and a passion and a fresh love for you in this time. Help us to find moments in our days where we can draw near to you and be with you. Have your way, Jesus. Fill our homes with your presence. Amen. Amen.